Welcome to High Desert Church. My name's Paul. If you don't know who I am, I've actually been on the staff for 16 years. And uh, yeah, I've been around for a while. Thankfully, they haven't fired me yet. And, uh, and uh, I now have the opportunity at the church to oversee all of our small groups, all of our meaningful relationships. When you hear that, my hands are in that. And I work with all of our campuses in Hesperia and Phelan and Apple Valley, helping groups launch out of there, helping those lead pastors create groups. And I work a lot with our leaders on this campus here in Victorville about small groups. And uh, so that's what we're talking about. We're kind of back to uh, the grind. You know, summer's done and vacations are done and school's back in sessions and sports have started up. And we've been doing a series called Do Something. We've been talking about money, uh, motivation, and meaning. And uh, that's why we're kind of beginning to land this a little bit in our meaningfuls. And uh, we are real excited. A couple years ago, I read a book called The Making of a Leader. Maybe you've read that by a guy named Robert Clinton. And uh, in that book, he says this, Leadership is a lifetime of God's lessons. Yours will be unique. It's great when we realize we're in God's training program because he always adapts the curriculum to fit us. He always adapts the curriculum to fit us. And in this book, he, ta- he asks us to chart your leadership track. You know, who's, where you're at as a leader and what's made you and what shaped you to become where you're at in, in this book. Well, if you remember back in June, we started this series and Pastor Tom made this comment. He said, life's greatest addiction is to our comfort zone. Maybe remember that. That stuck out to me because I love my comfort zone. I don't like taking steps of faith and being challenged. I love, I'm addicted to my comfort zone. And Tom talked about charting your spiritual growth. And if you remember, he had this chart. He said, a lot of times you put your faith in the Lord over here and over time you sort of have an unhealthy growth. You really haven't grown. If you look back to when you first put your faith in the Lord, boy, your faith still is kind of at the same place. You're still struggling with the same sins. You're still dealing with the same things. You haven't grown in your knowledge of scripture. It's just kind of unhealthy. Some of you have put, uh, you have an unrealistic growth chart. You put your faith in the Lord and you were just going. I mean, it was great. I mean, you were saying no to sin, life was good. And you just have this unrealistic view that you're never going to hit that, that spot in life that's going to cause you to stumble or struggle. And you kind of have an unrealistic view. And then Tom put this chart up and he, he said, really, your, your, your spiritual growth, it looks a lot like this. Mine looks like this. I'm assuming yours does as well. Put your faith in Christ and then there's a decision or an event that kind of, kind of pushes up your faith. And you kind of grow, and then you kind of settle back in, and you're kind of doing life, and you're doing okay, and you're growing a little bit. But then there's another event or a decision you make that kind of pushes you forward again, have that spiritual breakthrough. And that's where we're at. I want to encourage you to make a breakthrough. That's been this whole series, Do Something. And when I chart my growth, you know, when you look at these, sometimes these decisions are things like, hey, maybe I'm going to get out of debt. I'm going to change my finances and I'm going to do something. And all of a sudden there's this step of faith you're taking. Or maybe this summer you chose to say, I'm going to start engaging financially and I'm going to, you know, engage in two, three, five, 10% of my, my income and I'm going to give. And that's a step of faith. Maybe it was a decision with a job. You know, you could have had the raise, but you thought I need to stay with my family a little bit more to decision. Maybe it was something with a relationship. Maybe you, you broke up a relationship or maybe you're st- still in a relationship or you, who you chose to marriage, whatever. There was a decision that you grew. And I looked in my life and all of the decisions I've made since I put my faith in the Lord, I noticed it wasn't just a decision I made, but it was the meaningful relationships I had around me. And I charted my relationships 
And in junior high, I got guys like Tony and Aaron, who was junior hires. We would go to junior high small group at our church. And we had junior high counselors like Dave Cottrell that would pour into us. And in high school, I had guys like Matt and Brian, who are still some of my best friends today. We're in their weddings. They were in mine. And, and uh, we would have great conversations late nights at Denny's when we were seniors in high schools about God and girls. You know, that's what you do. <laughs> and then in college, I ended up... Uh, finding about nine guys who all lived in the same dorm and we, we just connected and we chose at midnight every Wednesday to have an accountability group. I mean, how stupid is that? At mi- I can't even stay up till 9.30. And at midnight in college, we're sitting around a room and some of us are falling asleep. You know, some guys sharing their sins and their struggles and we're whatever, you know, we're out. But we just, there was a value there. And those guys, some of my best friends in their weddings, still talk to them. They shaped my life. And my wife and I get married, and we're in part of a young married small group. And now we're in a small group with other married couples and some of our best friends, and, and they shape us, and they're there for us to pray for us, encourage us, love us. And I look, it's not just the decisions I made, but it was the people that were around me when I made those decisions. I bet it's the same for you. In fact, Jesus, you know, when you're looking for, for a, a verse in the Bible when you're having a hard day, this is not the verse you go to. I'm about to share with you, okay? You know, you're looking for, Jesus, I need some encouragement. You don't turn to Luke chapter 17, 1. But Jesus made this statement to his disciples. And I want us to read this out loud together, okay? So on the count of three, we're all going to read it out loud together. You in the balcony, we're all going to read this together, okay? Ready? One, two, three. Things that cause people to stumble through whom they come. That's encouraging, isn't it? I mean, aren't you glad you came to church today? I mean, that's just what you needed to hear, right? Things that cause people to stumble, they are bound to come. You are not getting off easy in this life. In fact, that Greek word stumble is the word scandalon. You kind of see the word scandal or scandalous kind of coming out of it. Kind of the English is derived from this word. That word actually means, scandalon means a movable stick or the trigger of a trap. Or sometimes it's somebody's actually put a rock in your way. You're thinking you're walking down a path and someone actually puts a rock scandal on right in front of you that you stumble over it. Things, people, situations that cause you to fall into a trap, they are bound to come. It doesn't matter how wealthy you are, if you went to private Christian school, if mom and dad were Christians, it doesn't matter if you're old or young, how long you've been a Christian. Something, someone, many things are going to come and cause you to trip and fall. They're going to. And when I say stumble, I certainly mean things like sin, sin that entangles us, but it's more than that. It's doubts that we have about our faith. It's mistakes we make, failures that happen. Maybe it's an illness that happens to someone you love or to yourself, and all of a sudden you're like, huh? What? I'm kind of struggling through this right now. Maybe it's a loss of a job, and it's a financial situation, and you're thinking, I- I'm not sure. It's not even something you did. Something happened to you or you watch something on the news and you're thinking, God, are you really in control of this world? And you're stumbling. Have you ever stumbled on what's been said on the weekend? Maybe you just disagreed outright with whatever was said. You just didn't agree with the pastor. Maybe they said something that was very difficult for you to hear. It was like piercing your heart and you like hearing that. Maybe it was something that was just confusing. You're going home going, I don't even know what the guy said. I sat there for 30 minutes. I don't even know what he said. Just confusing. You know, it's why, in fact, our groups, most of our groups are sermon-based groups. 
because we want you to be here and you're stumbling. You're going, I don't agree with that. I don't understand that. I'm not sure about that. And you go to your group and you process that. It's happened to me. And I go and I sit in my group and I'm like, I don't even understand the point. I'm a pastor. I don't even understand what the guy was saying up there. And then the guy says, another person in the group says, you know, that was so powerful to me. And here's what I, you know, I took. I'm like, oh, it makes so much sense now. Right? Have you ever stumbled with trying to raise a child? Thinking, how do I do this? I know I have. Have you ever stumbled with your marriage? I know my wife has. <laughs> you ever stumbled with your finances? Lord, I'm not sure we're going to make ends meet. I don't know if I can give, Lord. And I've been there. Maybe you've stumbled with your boss, somebody in authority. I mean, I haven't because I work at the church, but no, of course I have. Of course I struggle with decisions that our pastors make or my boss makes, or I even struggle with decisions I make. You know, I'm in charge of small groups, and I think, why did I make that decision? We all stumble with things. And here's the thing. When a stumbling block comes in your life, it has the power to do three things. Okay, it has the power, first of all, to dilute your commitment. You're committed, you're committed, you're committed, and then something happens. And now your commitment, you're just like, I'm not sure about this anymore. Has the power to distract you from involvement. You were once really involved. I was serving. I was going to church. I was going to a small group. I was giving. And then something happened. It just tripped you up. And now you're not as involved. And then lastly, it has, has the power to disturb your beliefs. You know, when things are good, it's like, here's what I know the Bible says about God. That God is in control. That God loves me. And then all of a sudden, something stumbles. You get caught up in a sin and you're going, does God really love me? Right? It has the power to do these things. And it might not even be an event that happens to you, but maybe it's an illness of somebody in your life or it's a loss of a job for somebody or it's a death of a child, not even your child, but somebody else's child, and you're going, I'm not sure anymore. And it's just messing with you and you're stumbling. Right? They're bound to come. And I've just given in to the fact that this is going to happen. You know, I've kind of given up trying to figure out, oh, can I just make my life pretty easy? I'm going to stumble. So here's the big idea I want you to walk away with today. Stumbling together is better than stumbling alone. Okay, stumbling together is better than stumbling alone. In fact, I want us all to say this out loud so we, we get it in our mind, all right? So count of three. Ready? One, two, three. Stumbling together is better than stumbling alone. Now, some of you English people out there, you're thinking, is he really saying that if you're going to go stumble, find two or three friends and stumble with them? Hey guys, misery loves company. I'm going to doubt my faith. Just come doubt with me. Hey, I'm going to have an affair. Hey guys, come have affairs with me so that we're not, I'm like not the bad guy. You know what I'm saying? Like let's stumble. No, of course I'm not saying that. But I'm saying you're going to stumble. So you might as well have people around you that when you do fall and you will, when you do uh, doubt and you will, there are people around there that can pick you up, that can kick you in the butt, that can encourage you and remind you, tell you things you already know. You see, meaningful relationships, I think, makes all the difference in meaningful faith. If you want your faith to be meaningful, you've got to have people around you. That your faith isn't meant to be lived alone. And if I could snap my fingers, honestly, if I mean this, if I could snap my fingers, I wish every single one of you would be in a small group. I wish every single one of your kids would be in a kids group. If you have junior high and high school, I wish they were in a junior high and high school group. I wish across the board you were in a small group. If you're married, you're with your spouse. If you're you know, a single person, you're, you're, you're with other singles trying to figure it out. If you're thinking, hey, you know, I, I got to be in a women's group or a men's group. I wish you were in a group with other people so that when you stumble, 
there'll be people there. Now, some of you, I think, are thinking, Paul, I've got meaningful relationships. I mean, we do barbecues. We go on vacation. I got my friends. We go on vacation together. Have you seen Facebook? I mean, it's lit up when I put something up there. They like, 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 like. I've got it. And I, I'm not even doubting you don't have friends. Uh, but I would bet if I was a pry uh, that even though you've got these friends that you see movies with and do barbecues with, if I was a pry a little bit, you haven't had meaningful conversations with them about your faith, about your struggles, about your loneliness, about your mental illness, about your financial situation, about your kids. You've just kind of kept it as, hey, well, things are good. It's fun to have people we can just laugh with. And it is. But you're not in a structured, predictable group where every week you know I'm going to meet these same people at this same time, at this same location, and we're going to study something, and here's a safe place for me to begin to share things. I'd venture to say that some of you would say, if we were to ask how you're doing, if your friends at your barbecue, how are you guys doing? We're doing great. No, the kids are good. The kids are good. Yeah, they're kind of gone going off in the deep end, but they're, they're, they're good. No, our marriage is fine, but they don't really know that you, you've been sleeping in separate rooms for the last several months. No, we're good. Finances, yes. I know what Dave Ramsey says. I know FP. I've taken FPU. But yeah, we're living credit card to credit card and we're pretty dang close to bankruptcy right now. I'm losing sleep over it. No, we've been married 20 years. We don't need to go to a marriage group because we know everything. We don't need to read a marriage. Listen, I've heard it all before. I grew up in church. I went to the private Christian school. And you would say these things because you haven't really engaged in a meaningful relationship. And here's the thing. You want a spiritual breakthrough. There's a chart that's supposed to come up here. There it is. If you want this, you've got to put yourself in a group and be willing to share, here's where I'm at. Because then all of a sudden, you've opened up and you can take that step of faith. And you say, I've got to trust the Lord through this one. And you're going to have people around you that are going to say, we're going to burden it with you. I'm going to be there with you. I'm going to pray for you. You guys remember Adam and Eve, right? Now listen, even if you're not a Christian, you've probably heard of Adam and Eve. And as Christians, we believe that Adam and Eve were the first created. In fact, we believe that Adam was created first. The story goes in in, in Genesis that uh, Adam was created and he was perfect. Now not perfect like you're thinking perfect. I mean perfect, perfect. Uh, There was no sin. He had a perfect body, much like mine, right? (laughs) Right? Why why are you laughing? Much like, you know, I I say I have the body of a god. Buddha. You know what I mean? (laughs) Perfect body. Perfect thoughts. I mean, he was the one that walked with God in the garden. Physically walked with God in the garden, walked with lions and tigers on this side. I mean, it was perfect. And then God said something that changed everything. He said, it is not good for man to be alone. Changed everything. Adam was perfect. Perfect prayer life with God. Perfect devotions with God. Perfect Bible study with God. Perfect with God. And he said, it's not good for this guy to be alone. Changed everything. It's not good for you to be alone either. Because stumbling together is better than stumbling alone. There's a guy in the Bible, another guy in the Bible named Solomon. Maybe you've heard of him. Probably the wisest guy to ever live other than Jesus and uh, he wrote a, a lot of things that he never followed, right? And you're the same way, right? Because you've said things to your kids, and then they've snapped back, you don't do that, right? And then you say something like, 
do what I say, not what I, you're horrible. You are horrible parenting right now. Do what I say, not what I do. I've said that. My kids have snapped back at you, dad, you don't do that. Do what I say, just do it, right? (laughs) Solomon said this in Ecclesiastes chapter four, which is kind of where we'll land here. He says, again, I saw something meaningless under the sun. There was a man all alone, meaningless, all alone. He had had no son, no brother. There was no end to his toil, yet he was not content with his wealth. He says, for whom am I toiling? No one even to share this with, he asked. Why am I depriving myself? This too is meaningless, a meaningless business. And then he goes on to say, Solomon says, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, okay, there's that falls, there's that stumbling idea. They fall down, they stumble, they trip over something. One can help the other up. But pity, pity on anyone who falls and is all alone. They got no one there to help them. And if two lie down together, they'll keep warm. But how can one keep warm all alone? The one might be overpowered. Two can defend themselves. And then he goes on, a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. And that makes sense, doesn't it? You're digging a hole by yourself. You get so far. You bring another buddy along, you start digging that same hole. Doesn't it seem like it goes faster and you get more accomplished? Right? One horse is pulling a cart. You bring another horse. You're kind of getting more than just addition there. You're getting multiplication. I mean, you're getting more done. That's why when you want to lose weight, statistically, what do they say? You do it with other people. You lose more weight when other people are involved in that than just you by yourself. And here's what it, here's what it is. Here's, here's, listen, if you're not a Bible person, you're going to love this part. We're going to kind of depart from the Bible. We're going to talk science. All right? So you're going to love this. It's called synergy. You've heard the word synergy? Synergy. Let me read you the definition of synergy. It is this, the interaction of elements that when combined produce a total effect that is greater than the sum of the individual elements. So you take the elements and when you put them together, you get a greater effect than just the addition, the sum of those elements. It's why in business and teamwork, when you put yourself in a team, you get more accomplished than if each individual worked to the same goal by themselves. It's why in spiritual growth, you want to grow spiritually? It's actually better when you're with other people to grow spiritually than each of you trying to grow to the Lord, closer to the Lord by yourselves than when you're with each other. Right? And Solomon goes on. He ends with a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. He's like, pity the one who's all alone. If you got two people, that's pretty good, right? Well, you know, it's, it's hard to be overpowered. But you know, if, if I can strike out one of those, then you're all alone. But a cord of three, I mean, you get three in a group, that is going to be difficult to break. And think about this. You're, you're going to love this, right? You guys are smart people. Three plus three is what? Six. Excellent. Yeah, the front row got it, back row a little slow. Three plus three, six. Three times three, synergy. Multiplication for the effort. You want to see a spiritual breakthrough? Meaningful relationships. Now let me give you a little insider take here. In my world, which is the church world, uh, the most difficult phone call as pastors we get or uh, emails is not related to money. Uh, It's not related to even a death. It's not related to someone... um, who has biblical questions or wants to kind of challenge what we believe. Most difficult phone call or email we get as pastors has to do with relational difficulty. It's when a parent calls and says, my 16-year-old, can you talk to them? They're doubting their faith. Uh, They're self-destructing. They're partying too much. 
It's when a husband calls and says, my wife's left me. She wants a divorce. Our marriage is falling apart. It's when a wife calls and says, my husband won't talk to me anymore. I think he's drinking too much. He has no friends. Pastor, would you call him? Would you visit him? And I'll be honest with you. Those are hard emails for us to process. Someone you love is losing their faith or they're doubting their faith or they've given up on their marriage. They're self-destructing. And and you're thinking, last ditch effort, maybe they'll listen to a pastor. But let me tell you a little secret. They're not going to listen to us either. Thinking, why? Because we have no relational chips in the bank. Maybe they know who, they see us on a stage and they go, oh, I know who that is. Maybe they don't even know who we are because only a few guys are on the stage every week. Maybe we don't even know who they are, so we're trying to build relational creds in the first, you know, 10 minutes. Hey, we're really on your side. We're really for you. We want you to have a healthy life. You know, you remember being called to the principal's office? It was like you knew you were in big trouble if you were, you know, mom and dad brought you to the principal's office and, you know, you show up there. It's sort of like sometimes when it is when, you know, you're like, we got to go see the pastor. And you're, you're, you're 16-year-old thinking, oh, man, going to the principal's office with the pastor. You know, oh, our marriage is falling apart. Honey, we're going to the pastor. You're coming. And you know, ladies, how hard it is to bring your husband along. We're going to, you know, it's tough. And we really believe that face-to-face interaction with, with each other is so much better than all your faces looking at us. You guys in groups, in a structured setting where you can laugh together and cry together and talk about meaningless things, and then all of a sudden you have this meaningful moment. All of a sudden, you can know these people are for me. I can, I can kind of open up a little bit and share my struggles, share what I'm stumbling with. That group's going to be there to pick you up and walk with you through it be honest with you, when someone calls a church looking for help, be it a marriage issue or counseling, whatever it is, first thing we as pastors do is we look to see if they're in a small group. Now, it doesn't mean that we're not going to talk to you, listen to you, help you, but we're going to look to see in a small group. Why? Because I know if you're in a small group, you've put yourself in an environment that healing really can occur. And think of it in this way. When you're sick, you go to the doctor and the doctor listens to you for a few seconds, fills out a prescription and says, here, take this. And it's the daily routine of taking that prescription, that medicine, those pills, whatever it is, for X amount of days, X amount of dosage, over a period of time that actually heals you. It isn't the doctor's visit. And depending on how ill you are, what does the doctor do? Maybe puts an IV in you or gives you a booster shot of just a high dosage of antibiotics or medicine just to kind of get you back to base. Trying to get you to sort of feel good enough for you to kind of take the regimen of those pills to get you healed. And that's the same idea with a small group. You come to church on the weekend. Here's your dosage. What you need is the daily interaction with the Lord and the weekly interaction with other people in a meaningful relationship to have you have spiritual breakthroughs and be healed. And that's what we are as pastors. We are that group to help you. Here's the booster shot, which is really kind of the the second big point I want to get across. Our groups at High Desert Church are designed to be a support group for world changers. That's what the groups are. They're a support group. Our leaders aren't teachers. They're facilitators. They're there to sit down and process with you and with each other. It's the weekly medicine that keeps you moving forward. 
It's a weekly medicine that walks through your doubts and your loneliness and your struggles. In fact, I love my small group. My wife and I, like I said, we've been in small groups for a while. You know what I love it? Is because I know I'm not alone. When my wife and I are having a fight, yes, as pastors, we have fights. That I go to my small group and I know that these men and women love me and they're gonna kick me in the butt or they're gonna support us and they're gonna love us, they're gonna pray for us. I love it when we're struggling trying to raise our kids and we're thinking, man, we are the worst parents in the world. I can come to my small group and I can look around and go, oh, good, I'm not alone. You're all bad parents. <laughs> makes me feel warm and fuzzy inside, right? Like it makes me, no, the whole group's failing, right? No, but I love it. I love that there's people there that says you're not alone in this. And I can listen. I go, well, how are you doing that? I'm like, oh, it's a great little nugget that I can use to help disciple my son or my daughter's. Oh, it's a great idea for my marriage. Yes, I need to do that. I love it. You see, my small group helps me change the world. I've got guys in my small group. Now, I'll be honest with you. You don't hear this much from pastors, but I'll be honest. Sometimes, as pastors, at least for me, I forget to change the world. I'm paid to be a professional Christian. I mean, I'm paid to be a pastor. I'm paid to be good. You're good for nothing, right? You just have to be good. I'm paid to be good. I mean, if, if we kind of, you know, break it down a little bit. And I'll be honest, sometimes I, I, get, I lose sight of stuff. I get busy doing ministry and I forget that my purpose is to change the world. And I go to my small group and I got guys in my small group that challenge me because they've taken this oikocentric lens so seriously to change the world that they look for reasons to have conversations with their oikos. I mean, they go out of their way to say, hey, can as a group, we go serve my oikos so we partner with them and getting a foot in the door for that oikos. I've had guys call me, says, we're not going to be at small group tonight. My wife and I are going to see a movie. I'm thinking, what? They're saying, hey, we, one of our oikos are willing to go see you know, one of these movies that have a real spiritual theme to it. I'm like, well, then go. That's wonderful. Right? I mean, so they challenge me. And let me push a little bit more, by the way. Some of you are in a support group. You're in a small group. Uh, but your spiritual growth really hasn't done much. And it's because you still keep everybody at odds. You come to your marriage group, you know, you're in a couples group and you're talking like, man, the marriage looks good. Your marriage looks good. And you haven't really shared that you have been struggling for a long season with the marriage. And that you've had conversations about separation and about divorce. Your kids are grown and so you think, you know, you're done, but your group doesn't know that internally you are struggling, struggling, struggling that one of your children have walked away from the Lord and you're losing sleep over it, and your heart is burdened for that child. But your group doesn't know that because you just wanted to kind of keep the image. Or that your finances are all in order, but you know they're not. And you don't want to share that with people because you've been part of the church for a long time, and you want to keep that image. And so you haven't seen those, those breakthroughs in your life because you've been unwilling to sit down and say, it's been a tough season. I'm struggling here, here, and here, and let me tell you why. And I can tell you this, the moment you share that, you're going to notice that everybody else in that group is going to say, oh, I've been struggling with the same thing. I'm so glad you shared first. You know what? We're here for you. You know what? We're going to pray for you. So let me ask this question. Let me ask this question. Who is going to be there with you when that stumbling block comes? Because they are bound to come. They are going to come. They've already come and you're trying to figure out your marriage by yourself, your parenting by yourself, you're lonely by yourself, 
You're struggling with faith. You're trying to understand your sexuality by yourself. And you're not in a predictable environment where you can sit down and have conversations. Who's going to be there to support you, to care for you, to look at you and kick you in the butt and say, you made a decision, stick to it. And we're going to, you can call me when you're struggling. Here's my phone number. Who are you going to let into your life before the tragedy comes? At every campus this weekend, we're giving you opportunity to sign up for a small group to make 2014 a game changer in your spiritual growth. You know, at the end of last year, we had about 2,200 adults in small groups, about 46% of our adult kind of average, I guess, if you would say, which means there's a lot of you still not in small groups, still not engaged in a men's group or a women's or a married or a singles group. And I know some of you are already sitting there going, Paul, I've tried groups before. They have failed miserably. The leader was a moron. You've said that. And I'm thinking, I don't disagree. That leader was a moron. I should not have put him in that position. It was my decision. Bad decision, Pastor Paul. Blame me. Or you're thinking, Paul, there is a needy person in that group. And every time we come, they just suck me. They're like a leech. They just suck me dry. You are that person to somebody. I just want you to know that. Somebody is thinking about that right now about you. But they still come. They still come. Some of you are going, I was in a small group, but it wasn't deep enough. They just weren't taking it seriously. All right, whatever. Some of you are thinking the people are weird. I get it. Everybody's normal until you get to know them, okay? That's just the reality. You think our pastors are, are, are normal. Wait till you get to know us. You're thinking, oh, weird people. And so it's just true. You've had a bad experience. You've had two or three bad experiences in a small group. Who cares? So? You've had bad haircuts. You're still here with your bad haircut. You've had a bad meal. You've eaten again, right? None of us, I'm looking out, none of us are starving in this crowd right here, right? You've had a bad experience in a small group. Listen, sometimes small groups just don't work. I'll be honest with you. Sometimes they just don't flourish. Sometimes it's a leadership issue. Sometimes it's just the people that show up. Sometimes it's just the dynamics of the group. Sometimes they don't work. Try another group. Do something. Do something. I don't want your year to be a year where you don't have a spiritual breakthrough. Where you make a decision and you don't follow through with it and you don't have the people around you to sit down and go, we're going to burden this with you. We're going to hold you accountable. We're going to love you through this. We're going to care for you. And so do something with it. Now as we wrap up, I, gotta, I just got to make mention of this. There are some of you in this room that aren't Christians and we want you to come to one of our small groups. You don't got to be a believer to go to, go to a small group. You can come and, you know, tell everybody they're weird. You can be a man and you're thinking, I don't want to go because it's going to be too talkative. Hey, you have my permission to show up to a small group and not talk at all. All right. You just sit there, arms crossed, not talk. I'm okay with that. Eventually you talk. We had a gal in our group, took us about three years before she began to actually share stuff because she's just shy. That's okay. All right. You have my permission. We want you in a group. But some of you don't even know who Jesus is. And there's a relationship that's so much more meaningful, honestly, than, than our small groups. It's a relationship with God. And some of you have been coming to church, you've been coming here for a while, or you're kind of checking us out, or you're thinking because you're at church, somehow you're saved, or because you've been being a good person, somehow you're saved, or you've been putting money in when the offering comes by, you're saved. There is a relationship that is so meaningful that God left heaven, perfect heaven, to come to not perfect earth, to die for you and I. And he knows every sin you've committed. 
He knows every sin you did last night. He knows the sin that you say in your mind. I'm never going to make that sin. But you don't realize this. But next year, you're going to commit that sin. And God's going to say, I know that. And I love you still. And I forgave you already. And you're already my child. And at HCC, we call it the ABCs. You admit you're a sinner. You admit that you're stumbling. (laughs) You've stumbled. You be believed to put your faith in the Lord. You realize that Jesus is the only way to heaven. He's the only one that can save you. The Pope can't save you. The pastors can't save you. Church attendants can't save you. Small group can't save you. Only Jesus can save you. And see, you've got to make a decision. You've got to make a decision on your growth chart to say, I'm putting my faith in Jesus. I'm putting my allegiance to Jesus and I'm going to walk with him. And I'm going to pray in a moment and uh, I'm going to give you a little opportunity to, uh, to put your faith in Christ so you can start your meaningful relationship with him. So let's pray. Let's pray. Thanks, Lord, again for today. And I thank you for the fact that you love us, that you um, created us relationally. And I know there's people out here that think they're all alone in this life and they've been trying to figure out life without you. And they haven't put their faith in you. And so, uh, Lord, I just want them to have opportunity. And so if you are that person, you simply got to say something in your own quiet of your heart, something like this. Jesus, I admit I'm a sinner and I'm stumbling and I'm lost. I've been trying to do this by myself. And I believe that you have died on the cross for my sins. And, and I receive that. I, I receive your love. Make me a Christian. Save me. And I choose today to follow you. I choose to put my faith in you and walk with you. And Lord, for that person, those people, I pray that you would uh, surround them with people that would encourage them in their faith. And for all of us, that we would do something. We would, we would be in a group so that this year would be different. We would see a spiritual breakthrough in our life. We would begin to open up to the people that we're in a group with already. And uh, we would see you do amazing things. We love you so much, Jesus. Amen.